Om Jnana Timirandhasya Jnana Shalakaya Chakshurin Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha But I've noticed you have quite a big sikha, whereas I've heard Shri Prabhupada said that Iskand devotees should have a small one and that big sikha is another sampradaya. Okay, here we go. Okay, the first one's for you, I think the second one's meant for me. <laughs> what was the game with the Grihastas? Haribo? Haribo? What was again the first part? The first part is how important is it for householders to have Sikha? Shika. For householders to have Sikha? Is how oh, important the, the it is, is for householders question. to have Sikha? Uh-huh, it's a whole Sikha question, okay. Huh? Yeah, there's certainly no harm for householders to have a Sikha. Even we can understand sometimes they are engaged in, uh, you know, in, in uh, their work where they find it disturbing. But you know how many people have seekers today? I travel around Europe, I see so many seekers from people who are for sure not devotees. So seeker became something quite common. They have, to, they have to copy us all the time. So sometimes they have a seeker move down here like that, you know. Sometimes it's up. So we are the normal seeker people. Of course, when you are blank shaved, you know, and every morning, you know, you put some ghee and polish. Well, some people may find it provoking, but little Sika never killed anybody. Okay. Okay, why I have a big... After this, it would be nice if there were any philosophical questions. Um, my long Sika, every time I shaved, got a little thinner because it was getting shaved away accidentally. each, And it was gradually migrating over to the right side of my head, so I was told. I love so, it. So this is a temporary thing to, it has to go a bit, then I can put a decent sized shikha in the middle of the head. Please forgive my sins. Say a prayer for me. Any other questions? Okay. Uh, I mean, if, that was my, if that was my worst crime, I'd be doing pretty good. So you Okay, the next question, uh, it's from Baba the Prabhu. Yeah. Uh, uh, yesterday there was a question about your relationship to Bhakti Siddhartha Maharaj. Yeah. Now the second question, uh, how much and do the uh, disciples and devotees should be engaged in misunderstandings between gurus and uh, because there was even some uh, uh, judging of gurus by disciples and there was labeling of uh, spiritual masters as as being uh, non-bonified. Um, in Chaitanya Bhagavat, it's stated that if there are uh, disagreements between higher-level devotees, it's better that the their juniors not take sides. You want anything more on that? You want to say anything more? I mean, we all have differences between us at many different... No, no two people are completely together in every way. Although we sing, Guru Mukha Paddhava Kachitete Kuriya Aike. We're supposed to be one at heart with our Guru. Sorry. We're supposed to be one at heart with our Guru. Practically speaking, we see that on on personal level, there are uh, there may be almost always some kind of difference between people. Um on the philosophical basis that 
Prabhupada's tried so hard to situate us on, we're supposed to see everything through Guru, Sadhu and Shastra. So, uh, we have a lot of important work to do in spreading Krishna conscious to those who are not Krishna conscious. So, from my side, um, I would request my disciples not to engage in what could be considered sectarianism. And, and although I myself make uh, strong points often, because as is apparent to practically anyone from the first day they enter uh, or they come in contact with our devotees, that uh, often we don't live up to the ideal that is there in Prabhupada's books. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, and, and we should seek out that association which is uh, of devotees who are uh, seriously trying to follow Prabhupada. I mean, there are different levels and there are different approaches. But at the same time, if we get too much into this spirit, you know, I'm right, you're wrong, and it, it, uh, it becomes mundane, actually. So it is, uh, discrimination must be there. Not simply some sentimentality, but at the same time, um, we don't want to make we don't want to turn ISKCON into some kind of bat in, internal battlefield. Our real battle is with the with the karmis. I mean, not with the karmis, with Maya. And as I was saying the other day, that you know, that in this particular issue, there's no real point in going on and on about it, because anyway, Maharaj has gone on to another destination. So, as I, as I wrote in the letter to Maharaj, that probably, you know, if you, were, if you weren't about to pass away, I'd probably still be on this issue. But as you are, then I wish you the best. So, and as I explained the other night from my side, I, I never considered it a, a personal issue anyway. So I would request all concerned to, you know, maybe, maybe it's better not to discuss all these touchy things and among yourselves and then just uh, go on with the things that we need to do in Prabhupada's service, chanting together, Mantra. preaching together, all these things. It's up to each individual devotee, I mean, to see how to respond. I can't legislate it. Practically, it's it's like that to a large extent in our society today. There, there are many voices and one has to uh, find that association by which one can actually be benefited in spiritual life. Um, and at the same time, we should be we should be careful not to, you know, absorb our consciousness in pointing out this isn't right, that isn't right. I mean, I've done it a lot myself, but but our our real aim is to glorify Krishna. Sometimes, in the glorification of Krishna, we may point out something which may appear to be an obstacle in that glorification. That's why Prabhupada, he was, for instance, so much on the case of the mundane scientists. 
Yeah, here's something off the t- off the question, but it's very interesting. Um, I was just sent an email, sent to many devotees. So it was from the internet that um, there's a group of scientists who have made a statement that uh, they cannot accept Darwinian or neo-Darwinian theory as an explanation of the origin of life. They, they reject this theory. And these are, these are real scientists. They're like professors at universities, in uh, many from America, all over the Western world. I mean, they don't, if it was from, um, and they gave the list of 70 of them are biologists. And this was started a few years ago. They made this declaration, but last year more than ever signed this paper. And they said that they, ex- they expect many more in the upcoming year. And this was sent out in the wake of President Bush making a statement that uh, he supported the idea of having creationism taught alongside uh, evolutionary theory in the schools, which caused, from the scientific establishment, caused something of an uproar. But there are many scientists who support creationism. Creationism means that someone created everything. It didn't just happen by chance. Someone means you know who. But um, in this report, they're they're saying that that we scientists, we're not saying this, that we reject evolutionary theory uh, on a religious basis. Many of them say we're not religious, but we just can see that evolutionary theory stinks. That's all. I mean, they didn't say that exactly. You know, they said it in a scientific way. After much exocratic, illusory deity hypothenation, we have come to the conclusion that the olfactory uh, function, when applied to evolutionary theory, uh, perceives a malodor, something like that. In other words, it, in other words, it stinks. I don't know how you can create that translate into Croatian because I just made up most of those words. <laughs> So this is the kind of you know the, this is the kind of thing we need to follow up. Actually, as a result of Prabhupada's books being distributed, all that's the actual reason. So many amazing things are happening in the world. There was great fear of nuclear war between the USSR and America, and Prabhupada said, "If you distribute my books in Russia, there'll be that will uh, what's the word that will neutralize? That's not the word. Anyway, that will de." Eliminate. Yeah, anyway, I can't remember the word. There won't be a nuclear war. No, it's just the opposite. Um, but there was so much book distribution that not only the, the uh, not only there's, was there not nuclear war, but the, the whole situation completely changed so that now there's open preaching of Krishna consciousness. I, I remember standing in St. Basil's Cathedral in, in uh, the Red Square in Moscow in 1986 when it was the reign of Chernenko. I think it was either Chernenko or Andropov. It was really heavy atmosphere. It wasn't just like this. It definitely wasn't. And, you know, praying for some special mercy that maybe within 50 years, somehow or other, the whole situation might change. Because, But within three years, devotees in dhotis and saris were dancing in Red Square. So... 
wonderful things can happen by distributing Prabhupada's books. In India, when I first went there, it was like, I mean, so thick with Mayavad. As soon as you open your mouth and said, Supreme Personality of Godhead, it was like, it was really heavy. But now, I, I see, but mostly because we've distributed so many of Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita's there. And people are ready to accept the whole atmosphere has changed. So these are just some examples. What we need to do, the, due to so much book distribution, mainly, I see, the, the whole atmosphere has become so much more favorable for preaching Krishna consciousness. Just like you're telling us all these stories of, you know, like, Kami spitting on you in the street and getting arrested, but mostly that doesn't happen, so it's, it's changed now. So the world is ready to hear the message of Bhagavad Gita. We need to preach that and live by it. The world is ready. Are we? So on this particular question, you know, I, you know what happened? There's, you know, we can't turn back time. And increasingly we're going to find, you know, there are all kinds of different approaches. So better we find out association that we find congenial and push on Prabhupada's mission the best we can. Hare Krishna. Okay, next question by Bhavada Prabhu again. Can you please tell us what should be the main characteristics uh, that should be possessed by a leader. Once one of our GBCs was writing a manual for leaders. Once one of our GBCs was writing. Uh, yeah. So I dropped into his office and he said, Do you have some points? What is the first quality of the leader? I told him, be a servant. I'm going, yeah, that's it. Da, to, to. So, if the leader doesn't understand he's a servant, then he's a fascist. And there are all kinds of fascists, great variety of fascists. Uh, yeah, this material. So, uh, now how he, how he, uh, what, what does it mean, servant? Of course, we know in Krishna consciousness in a spiritual sense. In the material world, the leader serves the material needs of the people. That's this idea. And in a spiritual sense, the leader serves the spiritual needs of the people, which may, in this world, automatically include also even material needs. That's not the priority. Because he knows if I connect these people to Krishna, then their needs will be also taken care of. And if this is not his motivation, then him and his followers become just mundane. Become mundane, even in the name of a spiritual institution. So, he is actually a servant. But not everybody will appreciate his service. I just had one more thing. Prabhupada, uh, Satsrup Maharaj quoted Prabhupada as saying that leader means leader in hearing and chanting. So you could write a huge book on that or you could just boil it down to these two sutras. Leader means servant, it's a specialized kind of servant, and leader in hearing and chanting.
So as Prabhupada said, as he one meeting of temple presidents in America that he said that now your life is glorious. Now make others glorious. Hmm. Uh, for Prabhu, do you think that we need a new waves of preaching Krishna consciousness? Especially, what do you think about Atma Yoga? Do you think it is desirable or not? Are you sure it's a question for me? Well, it is addressed to you for Manidar Prabhu. I can only ask back what is Atma Yoga? I don't know. I heard only about Bhakti Yoga. I didn't hear Prabhupada saying anything about Atma Yoga. And consequently, I cannot answer this question. Actually, there are two questions. The first is, do you think there's a need for new waves of preaching? You can answer yeah. that. You see, the word new in itself puts me on alarm. <laughs> I get very alert when I hear the word new. No, no, no. Because I always remember this, you know, everything today they sell to people has a sticker on it called new. And usually inside is something either the same or even the worse as before. But people like something new. Because the senses tell us, hey, let's have something new. And this way you enliven sensual people. New. new. And they go, they don't even ask what it is. They just think, oh, it's new. So you may wake some interest in this way. Usually what's come behind is not so interesting. So Prabhupada told us that Krishna consciousness is... Actually, we can quote the quality of Krishna. Navayovanam, it's, it's always youthful and new and fresh. Simultaneously always the same. And this is something people cannot put together on a mundane platform. How can Hare Krishna Mantra be always new and simultaneously the same? Yeah. One has to practice to discover that. This is a transcendental nature. Bhagavad Gita is always new and always same. You know. So, uh, I don't, personally, I never found any need to look for something new. Because Prabhupada is one of the statements, actually, I, I think it's stated in the Jayashila Prabhupada. In one of the so you're not easy the Chila Prabhupada gave us everything. This sentence just stuck in my head. You know? We didn't even start to understand what that everything means. You know what means everything? It means everything. Nothing less, nothing more. That's Srila Prabhupada's gift. Superficial and poor-hearted as we are, we didn't start even to grasp what that everything from Prabhupada means. And we already think, eh, I read this. We need something new. But that new is already included in that everything from Prabhupada. But superficial and sensual as we are, we didn't even come close to it. So we want to go on with something new. So uh, I feel like uh, that word new is already included in that everything from Prabhupada. Maybe after a thousand lifetimes I start to understand what he really, what that is. Thanks, man. A question for Bhaktivikash Maharaj. Who is Sai Baba and what is the destination of his followers? And say it in, uh, <laughs> if you don't know, you're lucky. You don't need to know. 
he is a much lauded but very sinful person who allows himself to be praised as God. His destination, as indicated in Sri Upanishad, is not auspicious. Um, as far as his followers, the people often say followers, but usually these people, they don't really give anything to follow. That was a, it's a major difference between Prabhupada and all these bogus gurus. They don't really give you anything to follow. They might give you some formulas for breathing or something like that, but there's nothing that actually changes or, or purifies the character. So you can't really say he has any followers. You can say he has a fan club. And uh, he, well, anyone who's associated with anyone so inauspicious must also have an inauspicious present and future. So try to give them Prabhupada's books. They often take, they usually take Prabhupada's books. But they have serious misunderstandings. Wherever Prabhupada writes Krishna, they translate it to Sai Baba. So they're very unfortunate. We need to make propaganda against all these bogus things. There's a very good uh, video presentation I, that's probably available. Everything's available now on the internet, right? So that's, uh, Gods, demigods, and incarnations by Tamal Krishna Goswami. This is like going back more than 20 Goswami. years. In which it's it's a live program in Fiji, in which he he goes through all the different demigods, so-called gods, so-called incarnations, to a program and, and systematically establishes that Krishna is the supreme personality of God. Yes. This was a very, very, very powerful presentation, which convinced many people. But uh, in many places, they don't. Our devotees, they don't like it to be shown because they're afraid that then people will become upset and they won't give donations. So, but if you if you want to know, you see that then you'll get the as much as you need to know, which is that he's nonsense. You can uh, you can get from this presentation. We should all be very clear on this point. Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. Not Ganesh, not Brahma, not ne Shiva, Ganesh. not Sai Baba, not Jesus Christ. He's also, he never claimed himself to be God. You should very clearly understand this. Otherwise, we cannot perform pure devotional service to Krishna. Okay, next question. Can you please tell us something about the importance of Garbhadana Samskara? That's right. One one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind. I can answer also backwards and forwards. Yeah. Of course, uh, this is very scientific. Birds of the same feather flock together. So uh, they have it same in Croatian like this. So according to your consciousness, you attract your companions. So the type of time of conception. Uh, the type of consciousness you have, you will also get visitors accordingly. Therefore, most of the population today are ghostly creatures performing very bizarre activities. They cannot even have, they don't have laws even, you know, for this nowadays, what the children can do. Yes. You know, the little boy was eating his grandmother or something like that. What to do with that? They have, they have no laws for, you know, for, for, for children crimes. We have children who are cannibals. But this is the result of 
no Gambadana Sankara, no purified consciousness. So, therefore, it's uh, as you do the mistake at the beginning, one and one is five, then whatever you add to it later on, it's just mistake. Actually, the educational system is only additional. You can influence a child, but you cannot change it. You know, from Bhagavatam, the sages were capable to praise like King uh, Parikshit already before he did something. At the point of birth. How is it possible? Because they could already perceive the qualities of that person. Therefore, in a traditional, in a Vanashrama Dharma system, the children were very close regarding the guna and karma to the parents. So this so-called caste system was completely natural. It was naturally evolving. Regarding us, Prabhupada called us members of an unknown caste. Because the parents were just so mixed up at the point of conception that, you know, what comes out is actually Vana Shankara. So it is a very responsible thing. And, you know, it's, it shouldn't be an act of lust concept, yeah. but it should be done consciously. So we have this 50 rounds. Hopefully chanted no, as pure as possible. That's the reason why it's a respectful thing. It is, it is respected for children uh, being being conceived and born. We cannot control what kind of person comes in. We can only do the best regarding our consciousness. So traditionally, Gryasas were collecting blessings before even conceiving a child. And once the child was born, they were collecting more blessings because you really need need blessings. Yeah, and, and, and consciously planning. This probably called his family planning. Yeah. Children are planned. That now we're ready to have children and then praying to the Lord, please send us your servant that we can serve. Next question. For Bhaktivikar Swami, there is a theory that we have never been in spiritual world, but instead we come from Brahman. And that is, as I heard, a statement of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. What do you think about that? Uh, that is not the impression I got from Srila Prabhupada's books. Yeah. Uh, in one of his books, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur wrote like that, that the, the jivas, they come... Some come from Mahavishnu, some come from the Brahma Jyoti, like that. When this uh, doubt was given to Prabhupada, Prabhupada said, well, falling from the Brahma Jyoti, the Brahma Jyoti is already a fallen position itself. This question comes up again and again and again. Um, f- directly from the Shastric point of view, uh, it seems to be a dilemma. Because both theories seem to be supported. Right in the Chaitanya Charitamrita we have Krishna Bhuli Sejiv Anadi Bahimuk. That forgetting Krishna, the Jiva is inimical to Krishna since time immemorial. Now this seems to be in itself a contradiction because Bhuli forgetting and then since time immemorial forgetting means suggests it's that you had knowledge and you forgot. So Prabhupada explained that anadi here, beginningless, means from such a long time that we 
cannot trace out its beginning. Now, apparently, um, so we are told, pretty much everyone except Prabhupada says differently that we are just here in the material world and we're never in the spiritual world. Although from my reading, the way I read Bhaktisthan Saraswati, I've read quite a lot of him, he, it seems to, maybe I'm just biased or something, but it seems to me that he seems to be saying the same thing also. It's one of those questions which will go on. Um, there are the, there are those who say, well, how could you have fallen from the spiritual world? Because that means there's imperfection in the spiritual world. As Prabhupada repeatedly explained it, that, that the spiritual world means the world of love. So love means you choose to love someone. You, if someone, Prabhupada gave the example, if someone points a gun at you and says, love me, well, you might agree, but that's not love. So Prabhupada emphasized the minute independence of the jiva, which presupposes the possibility to misuse it. And I also, reading Prabhupada's books, come to the same conclusion. And I think anyone would. Which is why sometimes people explain that, well, Prabhupada was just saying that as a kind of preaching ploy. He didn't really mean it. But then on the several occasions when Prabhupada was directly asked about this, he explained it in the same way each time. So either Prabhupada was like extremely afraid to tell us the truth, which doesn't seem characteristic of Prabhupada, or he himself was mistaken. Or what he was saying, he actually meant it, and he was right. So... You take your pick. I mean, I can't say myself, but I can only say that Prabhupada says like this, and I have more faith in what Prabhupada says or how he explains, and it actually appeals to the logic than what other people say. This explanation strikes me in, in all ways as perfect, that we have free choice and we can misuse it. But anyway, like I say, this question will go on eternally and you can either accept what Prabhupada says or reinterpret it or whatever you like. Many hours of devotees' lives have gone past and we didn't fall down, we didn't fall down, we didn't fall down. But as Prabhupada said, quoting Sripad Ramanujacharya, the main thing is uh, when you're drowning in the ocean, that you don't start to, you don't instigate a scientific research, how did I get here? You just see how to get out. How did I get here? There's a rope. First I have to find out how I got Take the rope. It may not be such an important question for us. But it will go on. This question will go on. I mean, once every two weeks or so, someone somewhere asks me this question. Maybe I should just make a one-page printout and just... It's not a bad idea, actually. Maybe I'll do that. Really? When I was in Bangladesh, all the time people were coming to me. What is your name? What is your country? How many brothers and sisters do you have? What is your educational qualification? All day, every day. 24 hours. So eventually I, I wrote it out on a sheet of paper and I just gave it. And everyone was, ah, oh, okay, they're quite satisfied. So, maybe like that.
Yep. Next question. Uh, Prabhu. I've been in the process in the Krishna consciousness for a very short time, and today one devotee was offering us to drink cow's urine. I think this is too much. <laughs> I have to say, I also refused. But when I'm in India, I drink cow urine. It's distilled. It's distilled. It's purified. But, of course, it's not our main preaching tool. <laughs> and I was also relatively young in Krishna consciousness. I'm still young. In but one of the first Janmastmis I saw celebration was devotees uh, made Abhishek with uh, really cow dung, really cow urine. You know, it became a huge pot with, you know, with still straw swimming around. And <laughs> then they were serving it out to the guests. Amongst the guests was some newspaper reporters. And they wrote a huge article just about Pizzos. that. <laughs> this was for them really too much. <laughs> so some discrimination, of course, is required. That's you don't have a regulative principle. You must drink every day cow urine. But in a quiet and peaceful atmosphere, you can explain people that, yes, everything coming from a cow is very nice. It doesn't mean it tastes good. <laughs> All, actually, all the best medical things, they all taste horrible. So, uh, I would recommend such a devotee. It's a minor obstacle. It's easy to overcome. You, you say no. <laughs> you just kindly apologize. Say, sorry, I'm not ready for this. Yes, and then you keep on chanting. We are pleased to announce that you can go back to Godhead without drinking calcium. And... Um, Although you never know exactly what will happen in our movement to date, no one has insisted that you must drink cow urine. Although um, Prabhupada praises it, and it is, uh, it's an ancient curative for many diseases, but it's not compulsory. So you better be discriminatory who you give it to, Mahaprabhu. It's my friend. I asked him to bring me some, and you know, you can only drink so much, he bought a whole can. (laughs) So I suggested. I mean, when cows urinate, they they it's they give you know like half a bucket at a time. <laughs> but actually, Prabhupada said the real wealth of the cow is not in the not in the milk, but in the urine and dung. So this is although again, although it's not directly connected to Krishna consciousness, it, it is part of the uh, ancient traditional lore. L O R E, you know that word? It means like something like ancient traditional culture which is valuable for humankind. You can save doctor's fees by if you know all these things. But yeah, maybe you better be discriminatory, discriminating in who you offer it to. Unless Unless people think that, you know, if I go on in this movement more, they'll force me to drink. It's not anything that will ever be forced on anyone in our movement. It's completely voluntary and mostly most devotees don't drink it. There's one little thing I like that, that in general one should be very careful how new people perceive Krishna consciousness. I remember first time seeing Tilak. I was shocked. I thought this is done in a way like you burn the kettle in Texas. You know, they have this kind of sink, you know, and you go... 
So this is somehow connected to this fire sacrifice, they do that. It sounds completely crazy. But when you first time see such unusual things, then you make all kinds of crazy connections. Okay. You know, when devotees showed me, it's like this, you make earth, and, you, and I was thinking, oh, that's very nice. But so one has to be careful as a devotee, we have our own world, you know, which is quite different from the world of the karma. So mm-hmm. as we introduce them to this world, we have to give it in doses. Anyway, I hope the uh, newcomer isn't too much disappointed and that you're happy to join in the chanting and dancing and taking delicious Krishna prasadam. Okay, for His Holiness Bhaktivikar Swami, please answer the next following two questions. What is the way to take sannyas in ISKCON? And number two, Is there a possibility in ISKCON of taking uh, Bahudaka or some other level for some time and then go to preaching? Mm. I was at a Sanya ceremony last year in Lithuania Absolutely. where an elderly, I mean, by years, devotee, he, he must be more than 60 years old, he accepted sannyas. And I came back this year, and I, well, already before I came, I heard how, after taking sannyas, he's really taken up the spiritual leadership there. He was already looked up to as a spiritual leader, but more so. And he's really uh, inspiring the preaching, traveling constantly. It's a small country, but preaching in different namhatas and getting the book distribution going. So anyway, in that sannyas ceremony, they... Uh, they asked me to speak, and I first of all said that no one takes sannyas. No, I'm sorry, I said no one is no one is ever given sannyas. One has to be a sannyasi already, then he's fit to say, take sannyas. sannyas. It's not simply by sitting in a ceremony that the heart changes. But one actually has to be uh, detached from the material world by being attached to serving Krishna. Then also, one is fit for sannyas. As material attachments run very deep, it may not be that everyone is um, suitable for accepting formally the order of sannyas. I was speaking with Bhavada Prabhu yesterday, who's an elderly devotee. His family, his children are all grown up. And he'd said that Sridhar Maharaj had recommended to him that he be Vanaprastha, not accept sannyas formally. So how does one accept? I mean, there are procedures, and they're quite strict in ISKCON, actually. Uh, which is good in the sense that we have seen a lot of sannyas fall down, and uh, maybe better be safe than sorry. But if one uh, if one is actually um, desirous to preach, then accepting sannyas will facilitate that, but it's not that you become a sannyasi by going through the formality. Sanyasi. In my own case, I was uh, anyway traveling and speaking and writing and I, I thought, well, anyway, I don't want to do anything else in my life, so I might as well accept sannyas. That will facilitate that. But it's, it's not that one day you can you can be like fully attached and then just, you know, all of a sudden have some feeling and then 
all right, now there's sannyasi. It can happen, but generally it uh, it doesn't happen that the change of heart takes place so drastically. I also, I never asked for sannyas. I never even, I thought maybe, sometime I thought maybe I'll take it when I'm 50 or something. Then uh, various senior members of this movement were saying to me, well, you should, you should take sannyas, you should take sannyas, yes, facilitate what I'm already doing. So in, I, I would think instead of thinking how I can take sannyas, it's better to think how I can best serve this, this mission. Yeah. Uh, as Manida Prabhu was saying this morning, that a renunciate and a householder, they both have the same goal, but the approach is different. So if you find that there's this in your life, that the, the approach that you find most suitable is to uh, fully dedicate all your time without uh, the encumbrances, the material encumbrances of family, then go ahead and do it. And if in course of time, the uh, Vaishnav community requests you to accept the sannyas order, then go ahead. But pushing, give me sannyas, give me sannyas. Usually those who push like that, they don't last, actually. Take sannyas in the heart. And whether or not one formally accepts sannyas is a detail. detail. What's the second part of the question? I mean, I'm talking about taking sannyas. I mean, I'm still working on it. It's, uh, it's not such an easy is thing. Is there in Eskana a possibility of taking uh, Bahudaka, whatever that is, or some other level for some time and then go to preaching. I don't know what it is. Yeah, well, there's uh, Kutichak, Bahudak, Parivrajak and Hangsa, the four stages of sannyas. These are within the uh, Varnashram system. Kutichak means one who lives in a cottage Kutichak outside the village in which he formerly lived. And it's it's really more like a Varnaprastha stage than sannyasi. Bahudak means that literally means many waters. Bahu Udak. So uh, he starts to, he takes bath in different places, means he starts to travel. Parivrajak, that also means one, it means one who travels very widely. Um, and that also brings in the, the uh, concept of preaching, spreading transcendental knowledge. Yeah. And Hamsa or Paramahamsa means the topmost level where one is actually above all Varnashram considerations. Although he may... So these are actually for, um, these divisions are there in a structured Varnashram society. Prabhupada gave sannyas for preaching. And he said that unless there's a significant increase in one's preaching by accepting sannyas, then there's no point in accepting it. Although uh, one thing that isn't done nowadays, at least I know with some recent sannyas candidates, before taking sannyas, they'll, they'll travel and be under the guidance of a, of a sannyasi, see what it means. Um, in the past, sannyas used to be given very liberally in Iskun. And... Uh, each year, 10 or 15 names will be put on the sannyas list. One-year waiting list, two-year waiting list. But interestingly, those who are put on the one-year or two-year waiting list, maybe 10 or 15, by the end of that one year or two years, most of them will get married. When they're faced with the reality, now you have to take sannyas. And they thought, I need to, no, I'm, 
Kada su suočeni sa... One of our God brothers, who is one of the greatest all-time book distributors in this in this movement, he told me at one point he was Brahmachari distributing so many books and leading the temple, and at one point there was a lot of pressure on him to take sannyas. But he just... And in in those days, you know, it was like, you know, a real, very prestigious thing. So he just told everyone, he said, no, forget it. I'm not fit for sannyas. I'm getting married. And he's been a you know, very responsible husband and father of several children who are all Krishna conscious and going on distributing books and continuing to, to inspire many devotees. So yes, take sannyas. Everyone should take sannyas. Please translate that. Oh, sorry, I, didn't. I said everyone should take sannyas. In the spirit of uh, sannyas means uh, in the spirit of completely dedicating everything to Krishna, yes. Anashita karma phalam karyang karma karoti yaha sasanyasi cha yogi cha nani ragnyana Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita that one who works as he is one who works as he is obligated, in other words, one who performs his duties and is not attached, not materially attached to the fruits of his activities, mm-hmm. such a person is an actual yogi and an actual sannyasi. Although uh, formally means informality, F O R M A L Y, formally, women don't take, they don't accept sannyas. Their social role is different. I think that for becoming sannyasi or advanced in spiritual life, person has to be especially gifted for spiritual life from the birth, and a little devotee cannot achieve that in one lifetime. Please, opinion. The goal of life is not to be a sannyasi. It's not that, you know... I'm dreaming that after many births I can become a sannyasi. sannyasi. What did Chaitanya Mahaprabhu say in this regard? Okay, we're all saying bits and pieces of the verse. Why the purport is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, I don't designate myself as a Brahman, Chatriya, Vaishya, Shudra, Brahmachari, Grihastavana, Prastra, or sannyasi. But as a uh, servant of the servant of Lord Krishna, who is the. Husband of the gopis. Nikhila Prabhupada is always existing in transcendental brilliance. So these, uh, how we are situated socially is important for our spiritual development because step by step, it's, you know, we we just can't take a, a pole vault into Radha Kund. We have to go step by step. But we should understand that what the goal is. Two visions. What is ultimate reality and what is our present situation? Yeah. What is the position of a disciple who is not very close to his Diksha Guru but he has a great faith in Srila Prabhupada and he is strictly following 
rules and regulations of Krishna consciousness. That's yours. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you can answer it. Why not? Yeah, all the time you get these questions. I'm, you know, I'm not sitting here like a babysitter all the time. We're getting a lot of frank questions here, probing questions. Everything you wanted to ask, but we're afraid to. I come across a similar kind of questions quite often, actually. And it's not because you know I'm far away from from you know from uh, from uh, you know being a spiritual master or something like that. But it's because of that, because then the disciples of the individual gurus are telling me things or asking me things they wouldn't dare to ask their own spiritual master. You know, in the fear to emerge being offensive or familiar or whatever. I mean. Those God brothers I know who are initiating in whatever disagreement may be there, one thing for sure they would agree on that Srila Prabhupada is the founder acharya of this movement. So in this way every member of this movement is related to him. And uh, you know, and I hear from spiritual master statements like, you know, here every day nine lectures from Prabhupada and one from me, you know, to his disciples. So it is a common understanding that we are all surviving spiritually under the shelter of Srila Prabhupada. But we know how the Guru Parampara works. We cannot take, the new devotees cannot take direct initiation from Srila Prabhupada. So, but they can take initiation from his representative, who will do nothing else as to point to Prabhupada. So there is nothing wrong with a disciple being initiated by a guru, but feeling very closely related to Prabhupada. I could well imagine such a spiritual master would be inspired, even from his disciples. Hey, you like Prabhupada? How much? What did you hear from Prabhupada? Well, I heard this. Well, I heard that. It doesn't interfere with the relationship whatsoever, because that is the relationship. So there is no contradiction in this. I don't know if the question was asked in that mood that there should be some contradiction. There is no contradiction. The spiritual master is encouraging the disciple to hear from Prabhupada and the disciple hears more from Prabhupada and at the end we all worship Prabhupada. And now I could go further, like one step further. I think you should. I, I was, I, I a little bit disagree. Not exactly disagree, but at one point you say that uh, they should be happy if the... I can go further, yeah. Should be happy if the disciples uh, listening to Prabhupada, but... But, but rather that that oh you should be happy if the disciple feels affection for Prabhupada. But actually, not just should be happy, but actually that should be encouraged. That should be there. It's not just you know optional and okay, it's good. Once I asked a Iskon Guru about this, he gave me a fantastic answer. He said, uh, he said, isn't it amazing? We have a devotees following gurus in good standing. And they fall down. And we have devotees who's no the, the disciple no? Yeah, disciple. You know. Is it understood? Is it was clear? We have devotees who follow a spiritual master who is in a good standing, but they fall down. But who falls down? The disciple. Yeah. And then we have disciples who are in good standing and their guru fell down and they don't fall down. And they progress even in spiritual life. So what is this telling us? 
how they are sustained spiritually. Where is this spiritual inspiration and power coming from? From Srila Prabhupada. What? Now, this should not be misunderstood. Sorry? It should, it should not be not misunderstood. There is a group of people called Ritviks. They are saying, Jai, Jazzi. So, what do you need a new guru for at all? This is not, this is another extreme. But it's a fact. We see devotees who unfortunately end up in this situation and they are progressing and they are preaching. And so, this is the proof who is really holding up this, this movement. This was this this answer was given to me by a spiritual master who is in a very good spiritual standing. <laughs> Prabhupada actually said once, "You are not my disciples. Bhakti Siddhanta sent you to me. I am just taking care." <laughs> well, um, I'd like to discuss more on that, yeah, or, or rather, more. throw it open. I mean. Um, what do you all think? How do you find that? I mean, I'm I'm finding that uh, there, there there are different devo- different kinds of devotees. Um, some stress their relationship with their spiritual master almost to the you know almost nullifying that with Prabhupada. And on the other extreme, you have those who you know they don't care much about their guru and they you know it's just all Prabhupada. Any thoughts from the from the floor here? Yeah. Guru is a principle. Would you like to explain that a little bit? More? <laughs> yeah, the guru is sitting there. You didn't feed me for three days. Well, you're just a principle. You don't, don't, you don't need anything to eat. I don't be so much uh, attached to one form. Mm-hmm. Like the guru in one form. Isn't there some bit? Mm-hmm. Many devotees who did that, they fall down at the guru level. Mm-hmm. I, some... I spoke with some students which survived, and they told them that they, they received the message of Prabhupada and the mm. books to other books. Mm. And then they find inspiration the same like from Diksha book. Say it loudly. You got a strong voice. Mm. Hanuman, you wanted to say something? Say it out loud. Because you, you can, you can also in Shlomo's books you can find many things and um, just adjust them as you like. So if you just like following 100% only reading Shlomo's books, you can also be in mind. You need some live person to mm. tell you. Say, in Croatian. Mm. Did you forget you wanted to say something? Yeah. Actually, in his book Shiksha Guru, very nice. And actually, Prabhupada was uh, very, very rare. Actually, uh, mm-hmm. but a very real, uh, rare, uh, pure soul of a very great uh, spiritual potency. And his disciples were sent by 
you know, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, as he said, I mean, his disciples are actually who are now acting as the gurus of a little bit less uh, spiritual potency. Mm. That doesn't mean that they are not actually uh, capable of leading the disciples and uh, uh, being uh, serving as a guru. So actually, that when that's somewhere other in our moment was not everywhere, but in many places it was, uh, you know, that relationship with Prabhupada was not, uh, it was neglected, it was not stressed uh, enough. And devotees should first, when they come to Krishna consciousness, develop. I mean, we all came because of Prabhupada's book. Mm. By reading the science of self-realization, we, we dropped everything, we just, you know, left everything. We changed our lives 100%. Mm. And we came, you know, we came, we came to, we surrendered to Prabhupada. So we, we have to, when we come to Krishna consciousness, you know, immediately, we, uh, I, I had such experience, you know, immediately I was uh, not pushed, but, you know, you know, devotees, I was uh, surrendered and I was associating them and they were telling me, oh, you should, oh this is, this is first of all, Prabhupada. And then what happened, you know, they, yeah, lost, they very lost much. the ground, they lost the ground, they lost the space, they lost yeah. the yeah, say it in Croatian, please. <laughs> it's all right, it's in the heart. So these are important discussions. And in this, it's, you could say, a difficult time in our movement at the present time in many ways. So uh, we can say in many ways we can see this as Krishna's mercy on us, that we're forced to look deeper at our commitment and where we're going and why we're going in Krishna consciousness. As uh, Manida Prabhu has been stressing, Krishna consciousness is very simple. But uh, often the periphery around Krishna consciousness appears very complex. So it's up to us to find that simple path. Uh, my personal feeling about all these topics is that we can talk about it a lot, but a lot of it, if, if we're just very sincere and natural in Krishna consciousness, then we'll find, Krishna will show, Yes, here's Prabhupada, here's our guru, and we'll we'll find how the relationship will go. Which Neither, n- not fanatical, nor sentimental. Uh, well, sentiment is there, but not uh, not um, not fanatical, not sentimental, uh, not dismissing guru. Also, is that you know you just not like But uh, as Bhagavatam says, it, it's actually friendliness in there. It's a, it's a natural, friendly relationship. So, anyway, we can talk about all these. But if we talk too much, then we may just get lost on the mental plane. Ultimately, Krishna consciousness has to be understood not only by philosophy and discussion, but by service. Sivan Mukhe Hijivado, beginning with this tongue, which is used for taking delicious prasadam, has been done this afternoon, and also by chanting the holy names.